like Deontay said, it, it is a privilege uh, to be together with all of us, either via Zoom or together in person. It really, really is a, a privilege. Uh, another group of people that I have actually I, I never just, just like, thanks for coming and for being here, is those of us that come all the way from Harrisonburg each, each week. Uh, so great. Yeah. And I know that there's some on Zoom, but, I, but, uh, but Mark is here, Deontay, and, and yeah, each, each week people drive themselves all the way down here. For Mark, it's like six hours to get to here from his house. Uh, not that quite far. It's more like five, right? <laughs> Uh, but yes, it is great to be together, and it is great to, to look again, uh, look at the cross, and, uh, and to read, uh, remind ourselves of just what an incredible story the cross is, not just in general, but for, for each of us, as we, as we work to build our foundation firm on the rock. And we talked about a few weeks ago. So I'm going to read today uh, Luke chapter 24, and... Um, and, uh, you know, up until this point, there's been a whole lot that has happened. Uh, Jesus was put on the cross, and uh, the disciples had large, in part, had left. And um, we had, uh, the, you know, Jesus reaching out to the robber. Uh, remember how we talked about, you know, the guy of all things. He wanted one more thing from Jesus, like before he died. And Jesus granted him. And it was like an, an incredible, incredible thing. But then Jesus was buried. And, uh, and that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the tomb rolled away from, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and a third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the other disciples. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. What are you discussing together uh, as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Oh, what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the other people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision from an angel who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said and all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went with uh, went, went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. He began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven, those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And it goes on. I mean, what an incredible, incredible moment. And I encourage you to read all of Luke chapter 24. Go through each of the Gospels and read the story of the cross. I mean, it is, it is truly an incredible uh, a, a thing to put yourself in that spot. Of what was it like when these guys were walking along? What was it like when they're expecting Jesus to, to rise on the third day? And there he is, but they, they don't know it. What were they expecting? What was, what was, what was uh, I, I mean, I think maybe similar to Lazarus. Remember who had, had died, was placed in a tomb? Remember Lazarus came walking out of the tomb. And so maybe that's what they were expecting. Maybe that's what they were expecting to, to, to see. Maybe when, when uh, the women went, maybe that's what they were hoping to see, that Jesus was, 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 was sitting in there and he was going to come walking out. But whatever it was, whatever they were expecting, it wasn't this. But then their eyes were open, their lives were impacted. And, oh man, what an incredible, incredible event. You know, the, the, the story of the cross is this, is this uh, cataclysmic event in these, in these people's lives. You know, they had followed Jesus day after day, week after week for, for you know, three or so years. And then when it came to the cross, when it came to the moment, when, when, when it got really hard, when it got really difficult, you know, they largely failed. They had ran away from him that we talked about. They left him hanging. Emotionally, Jesus was on his own. And then at the actual cross, we see, we see John and, and, and his mother, and maybe a couple of them were standing there, but many people had, had left. Many people had left them. Peter was the one who said, Jesus, I'm going to stand with you forever. I'm going to die for you, Jesus. And he didn't do that. So we could look at so many things here. We could look at the impact of what it is of Jesus rising from the dead and, and what it means to us. We could look at, at what, the, what the disciples did going forward after this. There's, there's so many stories here. But two things I thought that might be helpful for us today to, to look at was, one is that the disciples that were there, did you notice? And have you ever noticed that they were all together? They were all together. 
You know, it, it somehow when, when they were scattered, somehow when they left Jesus hanging, somehow they, they found each other again, however that worked. But the opposite could have been true. I mean, they could have gone back to their homes. They could have gone back to their jobs. You know, Andrew and Peter and James and John and, uh, and James and John, they, those guys were all fishermen. They could have gone back to the boats. They could have gone back to fishing. Matthew was a tax collector. He could have gone back to work. Thomas and Bartholomew, they, they were maybe fishermen as well. Philip and James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Thaddeus, they were all there. We don't know what their jobs were, but they were all there together when it says the 11. Yeah. Judas being the one that had left, of course. But they were all there together. But it wasn't just the boys. Mary Magdalene that was there. Joanna was there. Mary, the mother of James. A sister named Salome was there. And there were others as well. They were all together. This huge event could have driven them apart. But instead, I think it brought them together. Yes, it's kind of like... um, uh, I've seen this video. I don't know if you've ever gotten to see it or not. Um, uh, these uh, uh, the, the men that, that fought at the battle in Gettysburg. In Gettysburg in 1913, they had a 50-year reunion. And there was tons of soldiers from both sides that came to meet each other, to shake hands. Wow. And they did it again a final time in 1938 for the 75th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. Wow. And, of course, in 1863, these were men that had their rifles pointed at each other, right? But they did have that common bond. So even in 1938, there was just a few, as you might imagine, that were still around. But there's video of these people talking and and shaking hands. They had this common bond of this, 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 uh, uh, their cataclysmic moment that was etched in their minds forever. But it brought them, it brought them together. And I think that's that way for anybody. I think of anybody, and I know many of you have, have been or are in the military, that you have experiences together with, with, with a, another person, and that kind of bonds you, bonds you together. And I think it would have been, been like this for the disciples. And maybe together was, was, being together was the safest thing. Maybe they were still in fear of, of you know, other religious leaders and the other leaders of the community coming, coming after them. But either way, again, they were together. And I think of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 10, where it says, Do not forsake your friend for a friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better for a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. In other words, when, when hard things happen, when moments in our lives that there's a, whether it's a disaster or whether it's just a shock or whatever it is, when hard things happen, whether it's a single event or a day or a week or a month or a hard year, when those things happen, should bring us, it's better to have somebody with us. In Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. That adversity sometimes is what brings us together. And in this moment with the cross, I think we see that. We see that in the disciples. That whatever they thought was going to happen, it really played out totally differently for them. 
And instead of going back to their own lives, instead of going back to their old ways, they were together because they had this, this, this bond together that would last them for a lifetime. But to do that, I think we would be silly to, to think that that was just really easy for them. Right? For example, I, I think maybe they had to forgive each other of what happened that night Jesus was arrested. I mean, imagine one of the disciples, a Peter, you know, you cut that guy's ear off. They, they grabbed you. They grabbed us. We were just standing there. Why did you do that? You just made it worse. Perhaps there were other things that were said there. Or over time, where they were just kind of like, man, I cannot believe Matthew did that. It just made it harder. Yeah. I wish he wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I think we are foolish to think that, that's, that they would just all you know, be glad to be together. That there weren't things that they had to work through. They were people, yeah. after all. You know, Paul writes in in Colossians chapter 3 to bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And perhaps that was one of the things that really helped them. That if they saw fault in each other, it's like, I get it now. I get it. Look at what Jesus just did. That all of a sudden, wherever they were at a few days earlier, And their awareness of of love for each other and their awareness of bearing with each other, their awareness of, 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 of just bonding together, all of a sudden it was catapulted, right? Of this is what Jesus is talking about, about bearing with each other and loving each other. It's what exactly what he did for us when he never flinched once while he was being arrested. He never flinched once. When they were flogging him and they were deciding whether to release him or Barabbas, he never flinched once as they were leading him to be nailed to the cross. Not once did he fight back. But they saw that. Perhaps it was just easier to think in in light of that to forgive each other and to bear with each other. You know, I think they decided to support each other in this uncertainty. Like, now what? Jesus isn't here. Now what? He didn't prophesy Acts chapter 2. He didn't prophesy about Stephen and Paul. They didn't know. You want to talk about uncertainty? It's like, now what? What are we going to do now? What is going to happen? Where are we going to go? Jesus said he's coming back, but he's not alive. He's gone. They took his body. Somebody took his body. All things I'm sure that they would have been struggling with. But they decided to support each other in this uncertainty. And I believe they decided that they were going to commit to Jesus. That there was a moment there when they started putting the things together. And I I love what we read earlier about Jesus explained, went back and explained all the way back from what we call the Old Testament now, right? 
went back of this prophecy, this prophecy, this was going to happen, this was going to happen. And explained it all to them. And then their eyeballs were open. Like, oh, I get it. I get it. But I think they committed themselves to Jesus. And it's like, all right, we're in. We just saw what happened. We are in. Until our death. We are going to commit to Jesus. But in doing that, they committed to each other as well. They committed to each other in their weaknesses, in their, in their bearing with each other. They committed to, to each brother, each sister that was there. And this tremendous event, this, this, this um, there's hardly words to even describe, but a life-altering event like this that set the course for these people's lives from there until they were no longer. In that moment, they were committed to their Jesus. They were committed to each other. And they were in. You've had adversity. I've had adversity. The church has had adversity. The country has had adversity. And dare I say, the whole world has had adversity. But some of the adversity doesn't hit us, hit us personally. You know what I mean? I mean, there, there are, are, are huge events that go on in the world that don't, uh, that, that, that at the end of the day, they don't, they don't hit us personally. But I know that you've had some adversity that, that has happened to you, very personal stuff that has hit you, that is about you, that's, that's part of your story. So how, how has it helped you? How has it affected you? How has it affected your relationships in your family? How has it affected your relationships with the brothers and sisters here? How has it affected? Has it torn you away? Do you feel disunified? Do you feel, do you feel that? Or do you feel like the, like the disciples here when they came together that we're in? We're going to be together. And we are going to be together from here forward. You know, it's that power of the cross that God offers us that is the unifying thing for each one of us. I mean, I just look in the crowd, and, and, and a few of you I know a little bit better, but little did you know you would find a guy from a little town called Napoleon, Ohio, and a class of 200 people that you would become friends with. And all of us have different paths. The thing, the very thing that, that unites us here is the cross. And what an incredible thing. And so if the cross is not, not the center of our lives, if the cross is not, not the, the thing that we look to to center our lives, if the cross is not the, the, the event that drives us, like we shared earlier, Christ's love compels us. If that's not it, then it's going to be very hard to be unified. All of us, we, we come from way different backgrounds and different stories and all that, which is really cool. I think that's a really fun thing. But if we're not centered on the cross, the very thing that unites us, ah, it's so hard. I don't know how you do it. We've got to be unified on the cross. That is it. That story, this story here, of Jesus raising from the dead, 
Jesus laying his life out for us. That is a thing that unites us. We read a lot about the guys. But it wasn't just the guys that were there. The second thing I want to talk about was just the women. The women that were at the cross. In Luke chapter 23, we read this last week. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. And if you remember, we talked last week of how he, he, he shared with them of what you see happening here. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. But that whole time, on that way to the cross, people, how many people were looking at him? Hundreds? I, I don't know how many people were there, but all eyes were on Jesus. There were people shouting at him, people that were, that were making fun of them, people that were crying. The only people that we see him address during that whole time were the women that were there. In John chapter 19, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and a disciple whom, uh, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Jesus, while he's hanging on the cross, sees his mother there. It's, it's, it's unbearable to think of how the pain that he was in physically. But to have the wherewithal of his mind to look down, blood rushing down his face, hanging on some nails, and say, Mom, let me take care of you. Here, here's my disciple. Here's your son. And disciple, here's your mother. Mom, I want to take care of you. But he did it. In Matthew 28, and as we read right here, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. It's the women that found the tomb empty. It's the women that went first that morning. But this wasn't anything new for Jesus. It wasn't anything new for Jesus to have women with him or to be part of the story. In fact, there's lots of places that we read about women. In Luke chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled from one town to, uh, and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. In Luke chapter 8, it's a story of the bleeding woman that rushes through the crowd just to touch a part of his cloak, just to touch a corner. Women caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Jesus doesn't condemn her, but just tells her to, to leave her life of sin. 
And then we have a woman bursting into Simon the Pharisee's home in the middle of all these men sitting around having lunch or something. She breaks in and starts to anoint Jesus, wiping perfume, not just regular perfume, but the expensive stuff with her own hair. Women were a huge part of Jesus' story. I think Jesus models, models this for us all of, of how, how we should treat not women, but, but also each other. I mean, he saw each of these women, like saw them. Not just like I see Rob here, but I'm talking saw them, saw their hearts and understood them and understood their needs, understood their hurts, understood their desires. He heard them. He saw them and understood them. He also respected them, I think, because they were strong-charactered and powerful women. I mean, I look at some of these stories, and I think, man. I mean, a, a woman that had gone to many doctors, and they had all failed her, and is bleeding and needs healing. To fight through a crowd just to find Jesus? I mean, that takes some guts. It takes some character. That's risky. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots. I mean, that's a, that's a woman with character right there. That's why we read about her. Mary Magdalene? I mean, oh my goodness. Did you catch that? Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. I don't know what that is, but that sounds pretty serious to me. But there she was with Jesus in the end. There she was. How cool was that? He didn't see them as a nuisance to bear with them. Here come the women. He didn't see them as property. He didn't see them as a cause for somebody else's lust. He didn't see them as anything less than the guys. They were there and they were just as much as a part of the story as Peter or John or anybody that we read more about. I'm here to tell you, I think that Jesus has a special spot in his heart for women that we can't ignore. That we can't ignore that. We should see each other, the women here in the church, the people and all of us that are in the church. We should see each other as Jesus did. We have so much to learn. We have so much to learn. I, 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 I wonder if, if I was thinking like if, if one of those people were here, what would they say? What would they tell us? I don't know. I think it would be quite incredible, quite remarkable. But I do know this, is that John leaves us at the end of John chapter 20 with this. And I think he would say something like this if he, if he had his five minutes to share. I would probably give him some more time. John, you get all day. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Um, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I mean, he's like, guys, I, I could just keep writing. There are so many stories so many things. We just picked these few out. 
And I wonder if they would think, like thousands of years later, here we are reading about that. But they wrote them down for us. Why? So that we could believe in this guy they sat and had lunch with each day. That's this guy that they saw rebuke the Pharisees. This guy that they saw heal the, uh, heal the sick. This guy that they saw stood, stood there while they arrested him and pardoned all the other disciples. This guy that was there that, that, that beat up and carried his cross, his own cross, to be crucified. This guy. It's like, let me tell you about this guy. You know why? Because you want to believe in this guy. You want to believe in this person. Because he died and then he raised, uh, raised from the dead. He raised on life again. And oh man, it was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible time. So guys, as we take the Lord's Supper today, let's think about Jesus, our Savior, the guy who rose from the dead that the disciples found and they didn't know what was going on, but then their eyes were open. Let's think about that guy. Let's go to prayer. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is James Lim, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Thank you.